Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Amen. I'm happy to continue in our series at your service. Um, this is week number two. First week, we talked about his service, uh, service from him. And we'll get into our next subject. I, 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 yes, I started the sermon today. Uh, I'm reminiscing about a time when you go through you know, middle school or high school or whatever, and you need to be selected to play in an activity or to do something. Now, I'm sure most of you were selected first. You've got that type of athletic build. I can see it on all of you throughout the room. You, you would be selected first. However, I didn't grow into my you know, great athletic self early in life. And so I was not selected first or in the middle. Typically, I was selected you know, last, and when you're selected last, you're really not selected, it's just nowhere else for you to go. Like, you just go to the other team. Um, they don't even like cheer, like, yeah, we got him! They just, they walk off and you just follow them. <laughs> and, and when the other team doesn't accept you, you feel rejected. Most of us go through some formal process in our life where we've gotta be accepted or rejected. So for those of you who are privileged to go to college, you know you'd have to apply to a college and you either get accepted or rejected. Now you can get accepted at 10 colleges, but if you apply to 11, in that one college that rejected you, you feel some kind of way about it. You feel like, well, what's wrong with me? Now 10 people have said you're amazing. Just one person said you're not a fit for us, but it bothers you. And it's painful. You know, they had a statement when we were growing up. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but, but rejection does hurt. Hurts, hurts bad. In fact, uh, scientists have figured out um, that the, neuro, the neuro, neurological pathway, your brain pathway for pain, physical pain, is the same with rejection, the pain of rejection. It's the same. You can be medicated uh, with Tylenol for physical pain in the same way you can be medicated with Tylenol after you feel the pain of rejection. Rejection is, is, is a horrible thing. Re re rejection makes you irrational. You know, that, that things you should accept, you reject. Things you should reject, you accept. You, just because you want to be accepted, but you've been, you've, been, you've been rejected. They did an experiment, and they had um, people, perfect strangers, reject the participants in the study. And they would admit to feeling pain about that rejection from a stranger. And even when they said that that stranger had a crooked past and they had done bad things, like they still felt bad. Rejection is like a plague. If you relive a, a rejection, the pain of it 
reliving it. I'm not talking about remembering it. I'm talking about if you relive it in your brain, all the emotion, all of the pain, and all of the hurt can come flooding in as if you're really going through it all over again. It's powerful. And when you're rejected, you know, and another thing that's really disturbing, you can become aggressive, assertive. You can begin to take out your rejection on innocent people who did nothing to you. The studies have shown you're getting more to alcoholism, abuse of animals, abuse of women, different things like that through, through rejection. And, and it's just not cool, you know? And even people get involved in gang activity because of rejection. You know, I was on the, I, I kind of, do y'all remember the safety patrol? Did y'all, any, raise your hand if you grew up with the safety patrol. Just raise your hand, you public school students, yes. Okay, for those of you who don't know what the safety patrol is, y'all don't know, see y'all didn't raise, you don't know what the safety patrol is. The safety patrol was a coveted job you get to work with the, the crossing guard and you had like an orange little sash and a little belt and you help the kids cross the streets just go and walk home. You know, it was a big thing. You were proud, you walked, you know, you, you, you walked down the hallways, you know. It was, you know, it was good. But one day I got kicked off of the safety patrol team. I don't know why y'all laughing. What, what, what would make you think that that's something you should laugh at? I got kicked off the safety patrol team. And what happened was they found out I was in a gang. And you couldn't be in a gang and be in a safety patrol. Rejected. See, <laughs> I can't tell you what set I'm claiming. I can't tell you all that. Cause some of y'all was like, well, what was your set? You don't need to know that. <laughs> Somebody said, my pastor was in a gang. It's a long time ago. Okay? But the problem is that rejection of any sort, some of the rejection I felt in my home made me force me into other communities, and then you have all this bad behavior. Rejection is pretty painful, it's pretty palpable, and we all experience If I asked you to raise your hand, if you experienced some rejection in your life, you know, I would venture to say most of us will raise our hand. You might try to say that it hadn't had very much effect on you, but the reality is it affects all of us in negative ways. And Perhaps the scripture might give us some solutions today as to how to overcome something that's a, a, a plague or a virus to many of us. And we're gonna look in Luke chapter seven. We're gonna start at the 34th verse and we're gonna to read to the 34th to the 39th verse. And I want you to know, this is a, this is a story, it's recorded in uh, several gospels, but not all the stories are the same. Um, she sang the song about this story we're gonna preach about. Uh, about the alabaster box and washing Jesus' feet. But there was a distinction. This is the first story of this nature told, one of three, um, and we're gonna look at it. I want you to read it. Your first service didn't do too well, but I didn't tell them, I'm telling you, so they don't have to tell them. They were, they were not good at all. And, uh, and, and if you were in that service, you knew that, but I just didn't have the heart to tell you. So I, please, would you please, I, I beg you, just read this at home. I want you to read this, you know, with some real clarity and power and like you, like you mean the words. I'm going to say ready and then read and you go for it. All right. Ready? Read.
No, 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 no. Y- y'all went, I said 39. Y'all quit, kept going. All right. Where was I at, though, that I didn't catch that? That's, that's what I'm saying. I was reading, it's like, y'all hypnotized me. I was, I was just lost. I was gone, like, man, y'all did a good job. Nothing like them nine o'clock folks. Praise God for you. Jesus is invited to the Pharisee's house, which is already a strange thing to accept the invitation from people who don't like you. The Pharisees have never liked Jesus. They've undermined him. They didn't like John the Baptist. Uh, they, they, they had said in verse 29, we don't accept his teachings. We don't listen to his teachings. We don't like his gospel. Jesus had been healing people, raising people from the dead. Jesus had been preaching and they had summarily rejected who he was. So why would you invite somebody to a party if you don't like who they are? It lets you know that not every invitation is equal and some people have ulterior motives when they ask you to be involved in something. He actually, they actually made this statement a few verses before. They said, John the Baptist was the guy that didn't come eating. Jesus made the statement, eating or drinking. And you said he had a demon. So these are people who, who view you as like the people in this faith have a demon. And he said, Jesus came eating and drinking and you called him a glutton. So these, they were name callers and everything. And it's like, you know, you see that movie where, you know, the unpopular person is hoping for an invitation. They finally get an invitation only to get there to be ridiculed or laughed at or something like that. They would not invite Jesus because they wanted to hang out. They were looking to trap him. They were looking to trick him. They were looking to be, you know, something dishonest. And also uh, at this party was a woman who was a sinner. She, this, this would describe someone who was a harlot, who was a woman of the world. Uh, this is not an ordinary circumstance. And you might be wondering, how is Jesus invited to a party that she's at? I want you to s- set up how the party was. So the party was probably had about 30 or so people at a table, at a banquet in a U or, or a circle. They, at some point during the dinner service or or, at, you know, during the, the uh, dessert service, something would have happened out in the community that sounded like this. Hey, you know, they've already gotten to dinner. They're almost done. You know, they got that Jesus guy in here. He's a great speaker. You know, if you want to come around, you know, uh, for you who are poor, there's some scraps you can eat. You know, saying, line the walls. You know, don't disturb anything. But we want everybody to be able to hear the message that's going on. You don't have a seat, you don't have a meal, you don't have a place, you just have a little bit of an audience if you can be invisible enough. And this woman who was considered a sinner is invisible. So you can imagine that she's in the room, but she's incognito, she's low key, she's probably just, and, and, and she finds a place behind Jesus who is at a table leaning, leaning, like because it, it was a low table, he's leaning on his left arm, he's got his legs kicked straight out or, or, or back, and she's on the wall behind him hoping not to be recognized. Jesus is in a room. It's funny I want you to understand that Jesus accepts an invitation from an uh, uh, enemy. Jesus is so accepting. He's so not in the business of rejecting people. 
that he would accept an invitation from somebody who's his enemy. How do you not know that some places you're supposed to go even when there's people that don't like you because there's some change that God can do through you to them? Just so you just look for free right there. And so the woman is there and they go out of the way to call her a sinner. Now we know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but they don't refer to anybody else like this because the Pharisee thought that they were the most righteous people on the planet. They dress righteous. They carried the Bible around, uh, or, the, or the Torah around. They, they, were, they, they lived, or they had hard uh, theology. Paul was a Pharisee and he was so self-righteous that he thought that persecuting the church and killing Christians was the way you honor God. These people are strong about what they believe. And, and technically, we all in our generation would view them as the super Christians. You have to imagine that this small group was not viewed as the enemies. They were viewed as the people who were withholding the standard the highest. But they were just self-righteous. They thought high of themselves and little of everybody else. And they had invited him. Here she is. The woman's laying low. She had heard Jesus speak because we know the scriptures before said he had been preaching the gospel to the poor. She's there, and the Bible says when she found out that he was in the room, that's when she decided to go. Sometimes people don't want to be around us because they can't find the Jesus in us. That's just, again, for you to ponder. She said, Jesus is in there. And she slid in. Knowing how people feel about her, knowing how she felt about her. This is not a perhaps maybe she was a walker of the night. She was. She was that woman. She was sinful. She probably had been with people that were there. She would probably hung out outside and made some money. She could go inside and make some money. But guess what? She was really who they said she was. She was a harlot. It's a fact. Yes, she's standing behind Jesus. And at some point, if you're approaching your hero, at some point, if you're approaching the savior of the world, and you actually believe he's the Messiah. At some point when you're approaching, you realize who you are and who he is and how far the gap is, and, and you got thoughts that this guy hangs out with tax collectors, he hangs out with sinners, he hangs out with publicans, I've seen him ministering to broken people just like me. Perhaps what he has to offer includes me and doesn't exclude me. Because I've had enough rejection in my life that has allowed me to understand that this is my lot in life. When people have the pain of rejection, it allows you to live a life that is numb because you don't need to feel it anymore. And sometimes people drown themselves out with vices. Hers was harlotry. She had to survive. She knew, nobody wanted to know, she knew that nobody wanted to know her story, yet it needed to be told. As she approached Jesus, you can imagine this woman would begin to tremble. She's hanging out on the wall. She's got to stay in the shadows. But it's like, let me just, I got to get up closer and see him. And as she's getting closer, she's realizing that if what he said is true, she is not a rejected person, but accepted. The closer she gets and she doesn't feel the stiff arm, she doesn't feel the sideways look from me. She doesn't feel anything except, ooh, he, and it happens. 
the juxtaposition of Jesus against her is fully realized and she begins to weep. And this scripture says this weeping is profuse. That means the tears are pouring out of her eyes and streaming out puddles. I don't know if you've ever had pain where you cried like that before. I had where you, you can't even feel it coming out. It's just, it is opened up and it's coming down. And the tears begin to hit his feet that are stretched out. He's leaning and, and she notices while she is weeping that his feet must be dirty because when the tears hit it, she can see the dirt moving away. And the scripture says she not only wept, she began to cry aloud. <laughs> she couldn't hold it. She didn't want to be seen. It would take too much courage to be in a room where it's a shame to be even associated with you, to be looked at, or you, you, none of the men are going to look at you. None of the women are going to like you. This is not a woman trying to get attention. This is a woman who is smitten with the idea that Jesus is accepting her and loving her. And she gets there and the reality is so good, it's too good to be true. She begins to cry and she begins to weep and she begins to say, oh my God. And realizes that she's crying all over his feet and his feet are a mess and she, and she just starts getting down there and drying his feet off with her hair. You got to understand this woman is undone. I don't think that she would go into a room where she could be kicked out or somebody could abuse her or hurt her and then just become seen like that. She was, she was really undone. She'd come beside herself. You remember, so her service and her worship to her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was so overwhelming that she no longer saw the crowd. You know, I, just a commercial break. I long for our church. <laughs> I long for our church and for the church in America to get back to a place where everybody can freely worship. Yeah. People come into this place with pains and hurts and sorrows and it's almost as like we have to dress that pain up because to become undone is undignified. And if you're anything like me, I have pain every week. And when I get to Wednesday night service or I get to Sunday morning service, I need to, I, I need, I need, I need to break through this provided by being around the saints. I long for the day where you can just cry out. <laughs> it says that bad. Cry, lay out, prostrate before the Lord. And nobody's looking at you strange. Everybody's saying, we know it was me last week. We understand. Get what you've got to get from the Lord. Hallelujah, sister. Hey, brother, it's all right. I encourage you. Let me come beside you because your pain, if you relive it, will get so intense that you cannot live with that rejection. You need to be accepted someplace. And the only place you're authentically accepted is Jesus. He did not push this simple woman away. He didn't say, you, you dripping on me. Get your hair off me. Then she went further. I can imagine Jesus being polite, like, man, even though maybe she cries, she's trying to clean it up, I'm going to leave her alone. But she just went too far. The Bible says she done picked his foot up because the connotation here is that she would have grabbed his foot and started kissing it. 
And the Bible says she kissed it repeatedly and passionately. And what is it about Jesus that's so accepting, so discerning, that he can figure out that the multitude of these kisses was not perverse in any way. It was adoration, service, and worship and love. He can pick it up. Live in a society where our minds are so darkened that we wouldn't pick up a genuine need for another human being to need, need you. The Bible says treat every woman as a sister or a mother with all purity and every man as a father or a brother. There should be a familial camaraderie between people that has been lost through perversion. Jesus is showing us how it could be. She kisses his feet. And then she... Around her neck is alabaster. This alabaster is costly, it's pricely, it's, it's really expensive. It means let you know that she was good at her holler tree. She couldn't afford to waste no oil or ointment or perfume because she needed that for her craft, her trade. She needed that for her savings. She couldn't waste anything. She didn't have husbands. She didn't have somebody taking care of her. And she had already lived such a sinful life that, that nobody was going to want her after the fact. They were going to reject her. She needed to preserve, preserve herself. But when it came to recognizing who Jesus is and what he's done and accepting it and having a reaction to it, she said, I got to get my best out. She didn't give him her least. She gave the most and she anointed him. And then he didn't, Simon did not say this out loud, but he said, as I read, we read earlier, he said, this man is not a prophet because a prophet would know who this woman is and say, don't touch me. But he don't know that. He did not say it out loud. He said it in his mind. I want you to know, see two things from that revelation of scripture. One is, what kind of life did Jesus live that a harlot could be crying on him, rubbing her hair on him, kissing his foot passionately, anointing him with oil, and nobody say, yeah, he know her. Mm-hmm, he'd, have been, he'd, he'd been to her house. We can see that relationship. Yeah, huh I see the signs. Jesus got some shade on him. Thought he might be somebody better than that, but we can see now. It's out in the open. Look at old Jesus enjoying that. Nobody said that. They only dismissed his title of Messiah and teacher and prophet. They did not dismiss his character. How must Jesus have lived so far above reproach that you couldn't even attach a sexual sin to him, a looky-loo, a, a, a person who had evil intention, somebody who objectified women. Jesus is pretty powerful that his character is so strong that no one would impugn it. But yet they rejected the very thing he had to offer, he's not Messiah and he's not a prophet. You see, the reality is broken people can serve because they recognize who he is and worship him. Something about broken people, when they see Jesus, they get it. And they want to go. And so if we go to verse 
Now read verse 40 that you read earlier when you weren't supposed to because I wasn't watching you closely. 40 to 46, same thing with some power. And, and when, you're, when you're reading, one of the reasons I have you read the word because it's something about seeing and hearing th this word and then reading it out your mouth, all your senses, it makes that story go deeper, okay? Ready, read. Now, you, 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is amazing. Jesus said, you don't think I'm a prophet and you was thinking that in your heart. And so let me show you how much I'm a prophet because I'm going to answer the question in your heart. Jesus was fully in control. And one of the things he's going to take is take the rejected and the outcast of society and prove who they are through their actions instead of who you want them to be. He considered this woman because of her external past behavior that she's just a sinner and that she's just, you know, out the game. He had not considered himself that he himself is a sinner in need of salvation because he's working his own thing out. Jesus begins to tell him a story that compares the two lives, the sinful woman and, and, and the Simon the Pharisee's life. He said one of them didn't sin a lot. That's the Pharisee. He owed 500 denarii. He said the other, the, excuse me, the woman sinned a lot. She owed 500 denarii. He said the, the Pharisee didn't send a lot. He only owed 50 denarii. 50 denarii is about a month and a half's wages, whereas 500 denarii is like a year and a half's wages. So he said, you know, but I'll forgive them both. He said, who loves most? Who's going to be most appreciative? The one who's forgiven most. He said, you have rightly said. You don't understand why this woman is loving me so extravagantly is because she knows exactly what I've done for her. One of the reasons that the love of the church universally is growing cold is because we've become familiar and we forgot the price that it was paid for us to get here. We forgot when we couldn't read the Bible, didn't understand the Bible, we had all these abuses and so now generations of our children have gone through children's church, youth ministry and everything and we take it all for granted and because you haven't done the worst things in life, you can't appreciate how much he has invaded your life. So now it starts to be this is the salvation I produce for myself versus the salvation that God has produced for me. See, I wasn't as bad as my mama, but my kids ain't as bad as me, and their kids won't be as bad as them. But the same gospel is the one we both need. Whether you just owe God a little bit or you owe him a lot, you owe him. And he says, the debt is forgiven, not eliminated. 
Forgiving the debt means you don't have to pay sinful woman. You don't have to pay uh, Pharisee Simon, but I'll pay. Because the debt transfers somewhere. Well, you don't have to pay. Somebody came to me and said, you know what? Because of COVID, I didn't have to pay my mortgage. I'm so happy. Oh, yes, you did. They just tacked them payments onto the end of your loan. Somebody just found that out right now. Said, Wait a minute. Yeah, your loan, they, that, that money you saved, in rent, that's still your debt. They did not cancel your debt. They just delayed it. So, so you know, I'm your financial advisor. I'm helping you right now. You did not get about God. It's been a blessing. God gave me free. No, no, no. God gave you a reprieve. He didn't eliminate that debt. He eliminated. They, and here's why he had to eliminate it. The debt the Pharisee owes, the debt the woman owes, the debt you and I owe, you don't have enough to pay. None, nothing in your life could ever pay. The wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life. You don't have enough to pay. The thing about the woman is she realized it. The thing about the Pharisee is he's thinking about it. I'm trying to figure out if you really got something for me. I'm trying to figure it out. Sometimes I realize that's what church is becoming. Those who are coming and say, let me see what he got for me. I'm in here. See what God got for me because church supposed to help me out. What y'all got? What you gonna do? Is the sermon good? Is the worship good? What's good? She didn't come to the party to get. She came to the party to give. Something's happened that we, we actually come to the congregation because we, what we going to get? Who going to serve us? Who going to take, take care of us? I got my kids and kids ministry. Why the coffee bar not going yet? You know. We already gave, I think, three. What they want, you know, it's just stuff. She only came to say, I, I came to show my appreciation, my humiliation, and I, I came to let you know. It don't matter who's in the room. When he's in the room, he's worthy of absolutely everything I got. I got nobody else I love like that. Nobody else has accepted me like this. I love him, and I'm throwing it out there, and I can't even help it. I just, it just comes out of me when I'm around him. This is a place where we want the presence of the Lord to reside in. So when you come in, you're supposed to have that little conviction that comes in your heart that says, yes, he's so good, he's so good, he's so good, he's so good. When somebody says to you, when they greet you, say, praise the Lord, you say, no, 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 you, I really got to praise him. Well, praise him then. And you testify to one another. This is not a fashion show. This is not a social club. This is not like, let's just come hang out. This is not like, let's just get our Sunday done. I need to get my little daily word, my daily Daily bread. That's none of this. And why is it that Christ Jesus, who accepts us in our worst condition, is being robbed of the service and robbed of the worship that he deserves? What is it about me that's become so self-indulgent, so self-righteous, so plagued with my own way of the highway that I can't see how great a salvation I have? Verse 47, let's bring this home, because self-righteous people will not serve and worship 
because they reject who he is. Rejecting who he is is taking away his worthiness for it. Sometimes I can see it on the look on people's face or, or discerning people's heart. You can praise them, just not too hard. You can put your hand up, but don't let it go up straight. Like, how are you going to get it? You know people that go too straight. <laughs> and then they got the, the praise face. <laughs> You've never had that face. He, he haven't done it for you? I pray a breakthrough for all of us today. Verse 37, 47. Therefore I tell you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this? Because they couldn't see him. Who even forgives sin? He going too far. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let me, let me conclude by showing you exactly what happened. Jesus, while he's being served and worshiped by a sinful woman, and he's seeing the indignation in the heart of Simon corrects him with a story and he makes a declaration to Simon you don't get it her sins have been forgiven is the reason she's loving me so extravagantly and people who love little who have little to give who kind of tip me throw me the five dollars they have throw me the little time that they have give me the smallest effort I don't want to I don't want to be that person that gives too much to the, to the church or to the work of God. So what, what's the smallest amount I have that I can give? Because he ain't done that much for me because I pulled myself up. I got my own job, my own education. I make my own money. I keep my own body in shape and healthy. I'm not leaning on him for that much. So the church and the way it really functions is for those people. I come to support that. Say so you love little. First of all, the scariest thing about this particular verse is he's evaluating how different people love. Like, I don't like that. Because in my, even in my competitive brain, I don't want somebody out loving me. The very people you think, oh, look, they running. Why they running? They don't run it. Run outside. What is all that yelling? What is all that extravagance? And they poured out to our offense on Jesus, but he's giving them an A, we're giving them an F. They're remembering how much they've been accepted and loved, and then we've got a lot of judgment. I'm so glad we're not at one of those churches to go too far. Man, I'm so angry that we're at a church that don't go far enough. Because what can a man give in exchange for a soul? Nothing. He says she is forgiven. And then, and then he, he tell, he's telling somebody else that about her. You rejected her, I accept her. 
And she's proving by her love of me that she accepts me. It's her faith, because faith, my grace you're saved through faith. It's a gift. She's received my gift. This is the third time in this text that he says she's forgiven. That means it happened in the past. So that means that this woman probably showed up in such disbelief when she first heard the gospel and said, I believe that. She had to say, I got to get closer to this. Did it really happen to me? Can I really give up my harlotry? Can I really give up my lifestyle? Can I really trust him with my whole life? I think so, because I'm going for it. I don't know how I'm going to eat. I don't know how I'm going to sleep. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know I'm going to ride with him. I might be completely out. These people can take me out like that adulterous woman and stone me, but I'm going to make myself available for this worship. I'm going to make myself available for this service. I'm not looking for a reward, but he said, you're going to get rewarded. He said, your faith has given you salvation, deliverance, and wholeness. He said, go on, go live your life is what he's trying to say. Go be free. Go sin no more. I am telling you, stand on your feet, I am telling you, there is a reward in your service to God. I don't know what has tricked us in the past as if we're wasting time going through the motions. I don't know how the church could not fill back up with people desperate to just show God, I love you for bringing me through. So many people didn't make it through COVID, didn't make it through their jobs, didn't make it through their marriage, didn't make it through their time, but thank my God you got me standing here with all my sinful ways with another chance, another start. I got a new day, a new way, I got a new life. Oh, I'm so happy, I'm so happy. To really worship him, to serve him, See, we get stuck on service from him, last week's message. We always forget about service to him, this week's message. But I decided to, Kristen, if you come out, I decided that I'd like a chance to do it over with a fresh revelation. I want to end this service. It's personal for me, so I've now taken off my holy responsibilities to pastor you. I only invite you as another brother in Christ. I'm going to have her sing Alabaster Boss again, but I want to worship with my whole heart like I do. I don't know if I'll cry, I don't know if I'll yell, but I get to give him my whole heart without fear. It doesn't matter what you think. And you need to break free from what people think. That woman had to break free in an environment that would have took her life and didn't want her to say nothing so much. This whole world is telling you to keep quiet about your faith. Keep quiet about Jesus. Keep your faith on the down low. Nobody wants to be burdened with it. Well, you know what? I'm going real public with my faith. I'm going to shout real loud with my faith. I'm going to lift my hands real high. So I invite you, because I'm going to walk down here so I can worship. See what I'm saying? So if you want to come to the front, you can come to the front. If you want to sit in your seat, you can sit in your seat. But the conclusion of the service is to just worship for a moment.